0: Got some people on vacation this morning, pray for them, we sure do want them to have a good time when we're stuck here, not on vacation, (laughs) I'm just kidding, it's a season for vacations, amen, especially after a nice long season of COVID, it's good to get out and stretch your legs a little bit. Amen. See family, friends. It's a good thing. <clears throat> but the Lord has a plan here. He has a plan for each of us here this morning. And it is our desire, corporately, individually, as families, to see that come to pass. Amen. The plan of God is always the best plan. It's always the, uh, the plan that, that serves us the best. I mean, if you want to look at it from a purely selfish perspective, uh, we ought to be seeking the plan of God for our lives because that's always what ends up being best for us. Amen. The most blessing comes, the best times come when we serve the Lord. Praise God. Let's call out to him this morning. Let's ask him to bless our service today, that his plan would come to fruition, uh, not only corporately, but in our lives as individuals. Amen. Lord Jesus, you are such an awesome God. You are such a merciful God to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity you've given us today to enter again into the presence of Almighty God. You are awesome. You are wondrous. You are altogether glorious in this and in every place. Hallelujah, Jesus. We seek the plan and will of God for this service today. That all of your heart... All of your will would be manifest in our midst here this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Again, we acknowledge most heartily that we are your people. This is your church. This is your service to accomplish all your heart's desire. Hallelujah, Jesus. We ask that that's exactly what would happen here today and that your mighty, your glorious, your wondrous name would be glorified in our midst here today. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> Today we're starting a new series. Uh, we'll be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the reason for that, uh, one reason, uh, other than I felt led to, uh, but it works perfectly because, uh, on Wednesdays, uh, we're gonna be talking probably for at least a couple of them on the gifts of the Spirit. And, uh, between the two we're gonna see some distinctions, we're gonna see some similarities, uh, but there are some, some things that, that people hold to be true, uh, sometimes that, that simply aren't. Uh, they're not scriptural. They're not biblical. And so that's where we want to—that's where we want our knowledge to, to reside—is from the Word of God. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, so that's where we want our doctrines to come from, our plans, our our direction, everything must be based. It must be rooted in God's Word. Amen. Galatians 5, chapters, chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, in other words, it's not a complete list, Uh, many other things like these, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. So the series, uh, we're going to be talking on all that. (laughs) Every bit of it. <clears throat> uh, the distinctions, the similarities, uh, tonight, today, never get that right, is going to be more of a foundation. We're going to, we're going to lay the foundation from which we can, uh, more effectively go in depth into the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> There's a story that I found, uh, That kind of goes along with this, a little bit, but it's such a cool story, I, I'm going to read it anyway. There was an old ranch owner, his name was John, he farmed a small ranch in Montana. The Montana Wage and Hour Department claimed he was not paying proper wages to his workers, and so they sent an agent out to interview him. I need a list of your employees and how much you pay them, demanded the agent. Thought for a moment. Well, replied old John, there's my ranch hand who's been with me for three years. I pay him $600 a week. Free room and board. The cook has been here about 18 months. I pay him $500 a week plus free room and board. Then there's the half-wit who works about 18 hours every day, does about 90% of all the work around here. He makes about $10 a week. Pays his own room and board. And I take him to his favorite restaurant every Saturday night. That's the guy I want to talk to. Where is he? Sorry. I'm the guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be me, <laughs> replied the old rancher. Amen. Amen. You ever owned a business or tried to accomplish things and enlist the help of others? Uh, You kind of understand where old Rancher John is coming from. Amen. In this study, we'll be contrasting works from fruit and why that's important. uh, And, of course, how do we produce fruit in our lives? I like what Brother Reddy said on Wednesday, you know, a lot of preachers will tell us what we need to do, but then completely ignore how, how are we to do that. I think it's good to, uh, I think it's good to put both in there. Contrasting works from fruit. Okay, work. We see the works of the flesh and we see the fruit of the spirit. Why that distinction? Why not the fruit of the Flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Why not the works of the flesh and the works of the spirit? Why do they make that distinction? Works and fruit. The word work there, it means deed, action, task, do, bring about, accomplish. Here we see, we see something is happening, an external event being accomplished by the strength and will of an individual. I am making something happen. I'm going out and I'm doing it. It's a work. If I were to use the uh, the farmer mentality, analogy, I would go out and I would plant the seed. That's a work. That's something I'm doing of my own volition. I don't have to do that. As a farmer, I could I could take a year off, especially when corn prices were really high. Probably could have taken a year off. Just chill. I wouldn't have to go plant anything. But I decide to. So I go out and I plant the seed. That's the only reason the seed gets planted. Because I made a choice to do that. And then I went out and did it. That's the works of the flesh. It's accomplished by the strength and will of an individual. These are the end results of persons who submit themselves to the desires and the lusts of the old man. Fruit. In contrast, means harvest, produce, gain, profit, crops, yield. Okay, this connotation is something else entirely. Okay, the idea of planting seed, the idea of harvesting a crop, those are the works. But producing the fruit, that's not something I have control over. I gotta plant the seed for that to happen. But the act of producing the fruit itself is something that just kind of seems to happen on its own, right? I am not sitting there pushing up plants out of the ground. i going to water it, fertilize it, plant it. But then what does the farmer do? He just sits and waits, right? And it just kind of happens. And when it happens, when the fruit is produced... Then I gotta go out and work to bring in the harvest. But the act of the producing fruit is not something the farmer does. It's something he waits for. That's happening apart from him. And so when the Bible says that these things are fruit, it's not something that we can produce of our own free will. It's not something we have any control over. We can't Decide one day that I'm going to love everyone like Jesus does. I can't do that. I can decide to love you. Love is an act of the will. It's not an emotion. But to love you like Jesus does, with agape love, that's not something I can just decide one day to start doing. And likewise with all the fruit of the Spirit. It's fruit, it's produced naturally, external of myself. Some initial work is accomplished by the individual, but the fruit is produced outside of themselves, outside of their ability. Works are accomplished by our own actions, by making decisions and acting on them. Gathering a harvest is something we want to see accomplished. But the act of the harvest itself is something entirely out of our hands. Planting is works. Harvesting is works. If I could say it another way, it's not God's responsibility to sow the seed. It's not God's responsibility to go out and harvest the crop. He gave that to us, both naturally and spiritually. But producing the crop itself is in the hands of God. God produces the crop. He produces the fruit. I can't break open a kernel of corn and pull out a corn stalk. Has anyone ever tried to do that? I've, I've broken open kernels of corn. There's nothing in there. A little itty-bitty seed. And a lot of starch. That's it. I don't see anything green in there. I certainly don't see a corn cob in there. I can't cut into a potato and find a potato plant. I cut up some potatoes yesterday. No plants in there. Just potato. But when they're planted in good ground, it produces a potato plant. When I plant a kernel of corn in good ground. It produces a corn stalk. It's amazing that that little itty bitty thing can produce something so big. And do you know how many kernels of corn are on that corn stalk? More than 10. Because that's all the fingers I got. It went past that. (laughs) More than 10. Obviously, this applies to evangelism as well. We're responsible to sow the seed. We tell people our testimonies. We teach Bible studies. We preach the kingdom of God is is at hand. We tell people the good news. And at the end of the process, we're responsible for harvesting the crop, praying with people to receive the Holy Ghost, baptizing them in Jesus' name, discipling them, All of these things are in our purview, our responsibility. But only God can bring them to the place where they desire salvation. And only God can fill someone with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance, God leads us to a place of repentance, but I need to make the choice myself to do that. I've seen people, they were ready to repent, but they didn't. It chose for whatever reason not to. So that's still in our purview. I need to choose to submit myself to water baptism in Jesus' name. No one's gonna force anyone into that dunk tank. No one. You're gonna, you're gonna enter that of your own free will. But receiving the Holy Ghost, that's not something that I can choose to do. I can do the steps required to receive the gift, and we need to do that, but at the end of it all, it's God that fills me with the Holy Ghost. I don't decide one day, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost, and I start speaking in tongues. I don't give myself the Holy Ghost. I don't take the Holy Ghost to myself. No one else gives it to me. God gives it, and Him only. Only God can lead me to that place. Okay, how to produce fruit? If we can't do it ourselves, how does it happen? John 12:24 says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except of corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Okay, there's two things going on here. Initially, directly, he's talking of his own death. He's referring to his death on the cross. If he dies, he's going to produce much fruit. He's going to purchase this thing he called a church. He's going to purchase you and me back from the bondage of sin and death. But he's also referring to each of us. There will be no fruit in my life unless I first die out to my old nature. There will be no, well, no good fruit. There will be works of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is produced after I die. After I die, after I repent, that's death. I die to the old man. As Paul says in Galatians, we need to be crucified with Christ. Fruit cannot be produced except first the seed die. If I want to save the seed, I can do that. But I'm not going to get any fruit from it. I'm going to get one kernel of corn. And I can dry it out, and I can keep it on myself, probably for the rest of my life. But that's all it's going to be. Or I could plant it, and I could get a whole corn stalk with several corn cobs full of corn. The seed must first die before it brings forth fruit. There is no salvation except Jesus Christ first die. Afterward, there is no fruit in my life except I first die to my old nature, my old lusts, my old desires. I have got to crawl up onto an altar and die before Jesus can use me the way He wants to. Amen. The idea of Dying to our old nature. Okay, we we understand when that's applied to my old sin nature. Okay, we get that. We're 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 down with that. We're okay with that. Yeah, we don't want to be that guy, we want to be we want to be Christ like. Okay, everyone's cool with that. But when we start talking about things like I need to die out to my dreams, the plans that I had for my life, the things that I wanted to do that needs to go on an altar too. It's possible that maybe maybe God is going to still allow me to do that. But it's also possible he's got something else in mind. And if he does, I need to be okay with that. If I'm not okay with that, have I really died out? And if I haven't died out, can he produce fruit in me? So, we understand we need to die out to sin. But death is, it's non-discriminatory. When we're talking dying, everything has to die. Everything. Everything. So that Jesus can raise us up in newness of life, a new creature. Everything I used to be has to stay on that altar. And that includes my dreams, my hopes, my plans, the things that I wanted to do with my life. I had high aspirations for my life. I was going to be a great scientist. I'm not a great scientist. God had other plans, and I'm okay with that now. But initially, it was pretty hard, because I really like science. It was hard, but it's something that had to happen. If Every one of us, when we come to the Lord, we need to make a choice. There's only two choices. We cannot serve two masters. We can't tow the line, we can't straddle the fence. We're going to be pushed one way or another. You you can try to live on the fence, but that's the hardest life you're ever going to live. You're going to want to go one way or another. But there's no straddling the fence. There's no being a a lukewarm Christian. It's all over here or it's all over there. I had an illustration a while ago. I don't have it ready, but in Christianity today, there is this, this idea of it's kind of a, you know, you got, you got this end over here that's rock solid Christian. They fast, they pray, they, you know, they're, when the church doors are open, they're here. They're, they're going all in on on serving Jesus Christ. And then on the other end, you got what we we can call for this, a nominal Christian. They come to church when it's convenient, they, they don't pray, they don't fast, they don't read their Bible. they get plenty of Bible from here. And uh, that's basically it. And in the middle, we got a conglomeration, a mix of all of this, a whole spectrum. and everything is okay. Because everything right now is easy. But church, there's coming a day where this easiness is going away. And you're going to be forced to make a choice. It's going to be all white or all black. If you're a Christian, you're going to be a Christian all the way because of what it means now to be a Christian. We've talked about Christians in third world countries, Christians in Muslim countries. They understand what it means when they say yes to Jesus Christ. That's coming here. It's coming here. And if we're not solid, if we haven't died out completely, folks, we're not going to make it. I don't know how else to say it. You're not going to have the strength to to endure. You're not going to have the, the, the intestinal fortitude, if I can say it that way, to resist the enemy at that point. The Bible says, if you can't serve God in the green season, how are you going to serve Him in the dry? We need to die out today. We need to make absolutely sure that we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ and Him only. John 15, 1-8 says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that I may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And then gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. So the process of bearing fruit then, it's important to understand that we need to be connected with Jesus Christ. We need to be planted in him. Paul explains this in Galatians as being filled with his spirit and walking therein. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. When the farmer sees something isn't producing fruit, Now, the analogy breaks down a little bit here because the farmer isn't really vested in the plant. The farmer doesn't love the plant. He loves the the produce. He loves the crop. He loves taking it to market and getting a paycheck. Okay, so the analogy breaks down a little bit here. But you understand what I'm saying. It's not producing fruit. It's using up resources. Get rid of it, and let's put in something that will produce fruit. Okay, now, that's not the attitude of Jesus. Okay, That's not his attitude, because he loves us. And it is his desire, it is his perfect will for us to produce fruit in our lives. The better analogy is uh, when Jesus is talking about the husbandman. He's like, it's not producing fruit, get rid of it. And he's like, no, 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 give me a chance. Let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. Let me let me do what I can. And let's see if it produces fruit then. That's Jesus. If we're not producing fruit in our lives, he's going to work on us. He wants us to produce fruit. But it's got to be done the right way. He's not just going to snap his fingers, no matter how we're living, and start producing fruit in us. That's not how it works. We've got to do things first. We've got to plant the seed. Okay, We've got to discipline ourselves. There are things that we need to do so that the Lord Jesus can produce fruit in us. The farmer just doesn't sit in his bed all day and then watch the harvest come in. That's not how that works either. We've got to abide in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the personification of life. The Bible said it was impossible that death should hold him. The only reason he was able to die was because he chose to. That's the only reason they could kill him on a cross. is because he voluntarily laid his life down. When he was ready, he picked it right back up. There is no way to kill Him. He is life personified. So when we attach ourselves to Him, we have life. Not of ourselves, but through Jesus Christ. We have life and that more abundantly. But it only comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from our works. It doesn't come from being good enough. It doesn't come from doing or saying the right things. It comes from being attached to the vine. That's where life comes from. The scripture says we've got to be filled with God's word. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So again, we've got to be filled with the Word of God. We've got to know it. We've got to be comfortable with it. We've got to be able to use it, rightly divide it. That is so important. The enemy knows the Word of God. And he probably has a good idea a best guess of how well you know the Word of God. And he can plan accordingly. More and more, we're seeing people, we're seeing ministers, quote-unquote, distorting, warping, twisting Scripture to fit with their idea of truth. And people are following them, not because it's true, but because they want it to be true. And that's the only reason. I was having a discussion with my son last night about this. There are things that I want to be true in the Word of God. There are. But knowing that, I have to be very careful. When I approach Scripture... I can't be telling Scripture what's true and finding Scripture to back me up. I can't do that. I've got to approach Scripture and let Scripture tell me what's true. And if I'm wrong, then Scripture has the authority to tell me I'm wrong. Scripture is true. It's always true. And so, I've got to be well-versed in Scripture. I've got to know the Word of God. When temptation comes, I've got to know from the Word of God how to handle it. It is the sword of the Spirit. We'll be talking about that on Wednesdays. We've got to be filled with God's Word. We've got to be filled with truth. We see here that fruit is expected to be produced simply because we are attached to Jesus Christ. He produces the fruit because he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. It's a byproduct of being attached to Jesus Christ. The fruit is produced when I die out to my old nature and I'm attached to Jesus Christ. If those two things are fulfilled in my life, I can expect fruit to be produced. All of it. Does it happen overnight? Of course not. Crops don't grow overnight. There are seasons, right? There are seasons in our lives where crops are going to be produced. Fruit will be produced. And when fruit is produced, the Bible says that Jesus purges us. So that more fruit will be produced. What does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is going to purge me of my fruit? What is that fruit there for? When I see, when I go to an apple orchard, anybody ever been to an apple orchard? That's a pretty cool experience. Well, you pick the apple. Nice, juicy red apple. Especially on a hot day. Nothing tastes better. But that fruit is there so that I can pick it and eat it and enjoy it. It's also there to plant and produce more. <clears throat> but for someone external, for someone coming in, Someone coming into my life. Someone speaking with me. That fruit is there for them. To sample. To taste. To see. To desire. When someone sees the fruit of the Spirit in my life, in your life, that ought to make them hungry. That ought to make them desirous of the fruit that you have. I tell you what, the longer I serve Jesus, fortunately or unfortunately, my memory grows dim of, of what my life was before. But I still remember some things. If I knew then that I could have this, I would have signed up right away. I didn't know this. I didn't know this was available. I'd never seen this in anybody before. I'd seen Christians, but they were just like me. I didn't need that. I already got that. But when I see you guys, you guys got something different. Something compelling, something powerful that I never had. And when people out on the street see that in us, they want to sample that. They want to pick it. They want to taste it. And they want it for themselves. So when God purges us, one thing he's going to do is let people pick it. That's not always a comfortable process. It's not always comfortable to have someone inspecting me, looking at my life. But people need to see it. It needs to be available for people to taste, for people to sample, for people to enjoy and to desire and to want for themselves. The fruit that we produce, the fruit that God produces in us, is not there for us. It's not there for us. We're going to find the gifts of the Spirit. They're not there for us. They're there for someone else. Jesus is all about ministry. Jesus said of himself, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give my life a ransom for many. We have the same ministry as Jesus Christ. Including that. Our attitude, our desire ought not to be ministered to. Now, there are times where we're gonna need to be ministered to. Okay? We all understand that. We are not Jesus. We're not God manifest in the flesh. We're still human beings. So from time to time, we're gonna need ministry as well. But our attitude is always to minister to someone else. That's our heartbeat. That's our desire. We can't do that 100% of the time. But whenever we can, our desire is to minister to someone else. To give that fruit to someone else. To use the gifts and talents God has given us to minister to someone else. To encourage them, to strengthen them, to, to bring them closer to Jesus. And as an aside, we ought not be winning people to ourselves. Some of us, like myself, have an easy time with that because I have no personality to win people over with. So, it's easy for me. (laughs) But it's always our desire to introduce them to Jesus as much as possible. Get them and Jesus together. We'll do what we can to minister to their needs, to be there for them, to help them along. But, The impetus needs to be establishing them in Jesus. I don't have anything for anyone. Not of myself. I can't even help myself. How in the world am I going to help someone else? I got nothing for anybody. Jesus does. So if I can get people to Jesus, their problems are solved. Whatever, whatever was wrong is taken care of now. Because Jesus is the answer. I can answer questions. I can, I can be there for them, pray with them, encourage them to serve Jesus, to draw close to Jesus, to take that to Jesus. He's the answer. It's Jesus that's going to produce fruit in me. It's Jesus that's going to make me productive in the kingdom of God. Not me. And not you. We've got to understand that this is a spiritual organism. It was begun in the spirit. It cannot be made perfect in the flesh. It's going to end spiritually. It's going to continue spiritually. It began spiritually. So we've got to get comfortable operating in the spirit. We've got to be comfortable operating with spiritual tools, spiritual weapons, etc. It's very uncomfortable for us because, by and large, we are physical beings. What we can see... Is all physical. What I can feel is always physical. My job is physical. Most of my responsibilities are physical. Monetary, financial, uh, social, uh, legal. These are all things that happen in this world. And it's so easy to get focused on that again, but we can't be focused on that. We have responsibilities that we need to take care of. We all understand that, but our focus, our impetus, the, 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 the force of our, our passion and our zeal needs to be in the spirit. That's who we are. That's what we do. And applying that to this lesson, when we begin to, to live and to walk in the spirit as Paul exhorts us to, these things become clearer. Things become more defined. The confusions sometimes, the, the doubts that, that we experience because we're we're just not used to operating in the spirit. We're not used to, to thinking of things in terms of spiritual. When people get sick, that's immediately a medical condition. But is that really what it is? Is that the reality of it? Or is it something spiritual? Why do people get sick in the first place? To say it another way, people don't get headaches because they have an aspirin deficiency. Okay? That's not the reason people get headaches. We get sick. We experience pain. We suffer loss because of sin. Because of the sin curse. That's why we get sick. That's why people die. Should the Lord tarry? It's going to happen to everyone here. Not because it's the plan of God. That was never the will of God. But the sin curse did that to us. So death is a spiritual, it's a spiritual result of something that happened in the spirit. As is sickness, disease, pain, suffering, loss, disappointment, heartache. All of it is a result of sin. All of it is at its root spiritual in nature. And so when we start thinking of things in those terms, That it's spiritual. That's the truth of it. Now, we're free to address it properly. I'm never going to preach, don't go to the doctor. I'm never going to preach, don't use medicine. I won't do that. But what I will preach is this. Let's go to Jesus first. Let's go to him first. The fruit that God produces in us is spiritual. And it's recognized spiritually, even from someone who's spiritually dead they can see that and they can feel that in you. They can recognize the presence of God in you. They can. They do. It's God's desire for us to be productive. Now, that is or can be taken a bit... uh draconianly, is that a word? <laughs> it is now. <clears throat> and it ought not be. When people say, Jesus wants to use you, uh, it can be taken like, I don't want to be used. <laughs> no one wants to be used, Right? Jesus wants to work through us miraculously. Jesus wants to, He wants to take a useless 22 year old man whose life was already falling apart. He wants to take that and use it for good. He wants to put it back together and He wants to do something miraculous through that person. Through every person. That's what he wants to do. He created us for a very specific reason, each one of us. He gave you a ministry, specifically. He had a purpose for your life when he created you. There are no accidents. You're not just leftover material that he had to do something with. You were created on purpose. I don't care what the origins of, of you coming into this world are. There are people, you know, who are a product of rape. And people would say, well, that was an accident. No, it wasn't an accident. <clears throat> I don't think it was God's plan for you to come in that way. But it was God's plan for you to come into the world. If you're here, you're here on purpose. You've got a ministry. God has it. Uh, he's got your life planned out perfectly, perfectly. And if we'll if we'll say yes to that, if we'll give ourselves to that and start following the plan of God for us, God will unfold wonders for you that you can't even imagine. Wondrous, glorious things that you'll experience in Him. The places he'll take you, the things that he'll do with you, through you, the things that will come out of your mouth are just awesome. And the sense of fulfillment that you'll experience is unlike anything that you could do in this world. We all want to be a part of something greater. We all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. This is the biggest thing going. This is the most important thing going, is building the kingdom of God. Settling in our hearts once and for all that I'm dying out to my old nature. Completely. And I'm submitting myself to the plan of God. And I'm moving forward in that direction. No matter where it takes me. Like Abraham, we we don't always know where we're headed. We don't always know where the next step is going to take us. Jesus just says take the next step okay, take the next step because I can trust him. He's not going to lead me off a cliff. If I'm leading the pack, we're going off the cliff, folks. Promise. Guaranteed. But if Jesus is leading us, it's a perfect path. We're going to end up in a wondrous, glorious place. Amen. But we have to give ourselves to that plan. We have to allow God to work through us. Not just fruit. That's the focus of our study today. But not just fruit. Gifts of the Spirit. Uh, The words that come out of our mouth ought to be His words. When we come into someone's life, Again, we we tend to think of that naturally. I want I want to win them over. I want to, you know, I want to be friendly with them and, and and these kinds of things. And that's good. We ought we ought to make friends with them. They you know, we need them to trust us. But we can't just stop there. The purpose of this meeting is to see them come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual purpose. And that's not going to be accomplished because he's my friend now. Something else has to transpire here. I had all kinds of friends in the world. I didn't win any one of them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not before I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. So something spiritual has to transact here. That's how we need to think. Transacting these things spiritually, not just physically. Sowing seed takes work. Harvesting a crop takes work. Those are works that we're responsible for. But producing the fruit, producing the crop itself is in the hands of God. In evangelism. The works that we're responsible for. We need to do. But we can't take responsibility for someone receiving the Holy Ghost. We can't take responsibility for, for God leading someone to a place of repentance. For giving them godly sorrow. Conviction of sin. We don't do that. God does. Only God can. I can condemn people. I can do that pretty easily. But conviction comes from God. Conviction is what we need. Amen. The spiritual aspects of this reality are, I think, much more than we realize. And the more we begin to live, as Paul says, and walk in the Spirit, will become more comfortable with that we'll become more apt to see things in that light in a spiritual light and understanding that through the spirit that's how things are taken care of that's how people are healed that's how people come to salvation that's how people are restored, delivered, provided for God doesn't just give people a job and other finances are taken care of. That's what we see in in the physical, but in the spiritual, there's all kinds of things going on. The devourer is being rebuked. My wife and I, we really haven't. You know, we always hear testimonies about, you know, I gave $500 to God and I got a check for $1,000 the next day and stuff like that. Uh, we've never really ever seen that in our lives. But what we always do see is things just seem to last forever for us. They just seem to keep lasting. And we attribute that to being faithful in tithes and offerings. The devourer is being rebuked. If there is a spirit of entropy in the universe, it doesn't seem to touch us that much. It's a beautiful thing. But that's not because, well, we just take really good care of everything. We try to, but that hasn't always been the case. Oil changes every two years, whether it needs it or not. You know, that kind of thing. Change the tires at 100,000 miles. <laughs> not that it needs to, it just probably should. <laughs> but they just keep, they just last. And that's a spiritual thing, not a physical. Studying the Bible is hard work. Sometimes. Depending on where you're at. Praying and fasting is work. These are things that I decide to do. I discipline my time. I set aside the time. I'm going to study the Bible. I set aside some time. I'm going to spend that time with Jesus in prayer. But the spiritual fruit that is produced through those actions, through attaching myself to Jesus, through dying out to the old man, those works, because I've done those works, I've now opened myself up, to produce, for Jesus to produce fruit in me. Because the farmer has done the work of planting and, and getting the soil ready, now God can produce the fruit. God's not going to produce the fruit when the corn is sitting in the bin. He won't. But He will when we put it out in the field. God's not going to produce fruit in me if I'm just sitting watching Looney Tunes all day long. No, I, <laughs> I was going to say something about Looney Tunes. but i got to do the work. i got to get the seed out in the field. I've got to die out to my old man. I've got to attach myself to the vine. When I do that, Jesus is now free to produce all the fruit he wants to in me. And he wants to produce so much fruit in all of us. Not just spiritual fruit. Fruit in your ministry. Fruiting your life. Living as the Bible says, from victory to victory. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. That's God's will, that's God's plan for us. He has so many good things in store. Let's all stand.